0: God God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of man the light shined in the darkness the darkness could not overcome it there came a man who was sent from God his name was John he came as a witness to the light the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world and though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him he came to that which was his own But his own did not receive him. (laughs) Yet, to all who receive him, to those who call upon his name, he gives the power to become the children of God. Children not born of a husband's will, not born of the blood of man, but born of God. The word became flesh and tabernacle, dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth one little girl said god put on a people suit and moved into the neighborhood amen that's good theology if you have your bibles tonight turn to the book of ezekiel For many of you that'll be in the shiny pages of your bible amen ezekiel is one of my favorite books it's one of the most prophetic books in the word of god chapter 47 is where we're going to be tonight And i always start out by stating a problem because i believe That in the modern church, we have a problem with perspective. Why? Because we have for so long, ladies and gentlemen, we have preached a man-centered gospel. Listen to me. The gospel is not man's idea. The gospel is God's idea. Rabbi Zacharias, who was disgraced at the end of his ministry, had many fantastic sayings. He was a great theologian. He fell, which reminds me, Chris, is how you finish that matters. Everybody can get started. But how are you going to finish, amen? Man, I want to do a Pete Rose, head first, sliding into the throne room, amen? I mean, Lord, I want to leave it all on the field, hallelujah. And so I I want to share with you, he said, if God gave us a million ways to to, to heaven, we'd want a million and one. The gospel is God's idea. The gospel is this, you cannot get to heaven, so heaven came to you. His name is Jesus. His righteousness, his 100% sinlessness is imparted, imputed to you through the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, I hold this little pamphlet in my hand. U uh, Turn Ministry is the nonprofit ministry that God allowed me to start over 17 years ago. We've reached millions upon millions of people. This year, in the next calendar year, we will plant around 200 churches across Southeast Africa, in Mozambique, Tanzania, Malawi. We started in Malawi in 2004, and it just keeps growing in concentric rings. We have orphan feeding centers, farms. We have a coffee farm. We have a bamboo farm. We have a corn and soybean farm where we teach orphans how to leave our program and be productive individuals. We We don't, listen to me, we don't adopt them out of their culture. We send them back into their culture as spiritual and socioeconomic giants. Why? Let me ask you a question. Why would I take a child out of the richest spiritual environment on the planet where millions of people are getting saved and bring them here to the poorest spiritual environment on the planet? Ouch. Amen. That was free. It hurts, doesn't it? We need revival, folks. I was in Trenton, Ohio uh, a few months ago at um, at the Gold Star Chili. A young lady named Angie brought me my food. I said angie i'm going to ask jesus christ to bless this food she looked at me and these were the words she said jesus christ i thought that was a cuss word 18 years old in trenton ohio never heard the gospel do you know whose fault that is ours that's the church's fault now ladies and gentlemen i want to talk to you tonight about a problem we have, and the problem is control. Final point of perspective. It says in verse 1, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out. Running out, running out on the right side. Father, I humbly bow before you this evening. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that your word would go forth in power. Lord, I didn't come to give these people a sermon. I came for you to give them a word from God. Lord, would you take your word and change our hearts and lives. Do what you and only you can do, and that's change lives. I beg you to start with me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to show you, first of all, the living water. The living water is flowing out of the temple. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is clear. This is not the church. This is the church. You and I are the church. If you don't know Jesus yet, you can come into the church, not into the building, into the kingdom of God. Amen? But when you are born again, God takes up residence in your heart. Romans 8, by which we call Abba, Dada, Father. That's what it means to be saved. You're so intimate with the Lord God Almighty, He becomes your dad. Dad. That makes you uncomfortable, probably. But guess what? That's the intimacy. That's the level of love God wants to pour out through you and to you so that you understand. Now watch this. When you get saved, Jesus comes to live in your heart and He starts trying to get out your mouth. Yeah, you heard me. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb And the word of our testimony. You got relatives that probably live hours from here. How are they going to get saved by the way you live your life? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Folks, listen to me. It is important to live a good life, but it's not either or. It's both and. We live good lives, but we open our mouths and we tell people. Listen, this passage is talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus never said, I am living water. He said, I will give you living water. In other words, he was going to do something apart from his physical body that he could not do while he was on this earth he said greater works will you do there is a world out there waiting there are people right now down dusty bumpy trails in places like malawi and zambia and tanzania and zim and 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 mozambique they're waiting for someone like you and me to come and tell the gospel do you know why because i've been down thousand those bumpy roads and i get out of the truck and i say come and hear the good news and they run by the hundreds And they're being swept into the kingdom of God by the thousands. Why? Because God still saves by the gospel. The living water flows out of the temple. That's the direction. The direction of the living water is that it goes out, out, out of the temple. We've done a disservice in the Baptist church. We've told you that if you'll get up and walk an aisle and pray a prayer at an altar with a pastor, and then you'll follow that up with scriptural baptism, that somehow you fulfilled the Lord's word when he said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. If you're ashamed of me in this wicked and perverse generation, I will be ashamed of you when I return with my father's holy angels. Can I tell you something? That ain't got nothing to do with walking down to the front of a Baptist church. It's got everything to do with walking out those doors and living for Jesus. But I can promise you, if if you ain't going to walk down here where people are going to pray for you and encourage you, and you're not going to follow the Lord in obedience and scriptural public baptism, you ain't ever going to go out there and do it. So this is your first step. This is how you get encouraged. But guess what? When the Spirit of God comes into you, the living water starts flowing out of you. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a river of glory, and I want to show it to you. Now look at verse, uh, verse 3. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. Now, you and I don't use cupids. You might be into the metric system, but most likely you understand feet and yards, okay? A cupid was a distance from a man's elbow to the tip of his finger. That's about 18 inches. If you take two of those, that's what you and I know as a yard. Now, it's football season, amen? Uh, I'm not going to go to Medlin. I imagine there's some wild cats in here and some bear cats, amen? Ooh, they tore up Notre Dame this weekend. Hey, listen, listen listen to me now. A yard, you can kind of understand because you can lop off the end zones and see 100 of them, amen? So you can kind of understand that 100 yards, right, okay? If you took five football fields with the end zones lopped off, guess what you got? 1,000 cupids. So I'm going to read it to you in a way that you'll understand. A man, out with a, a man went out with a line in his hand, and he measured 500 football fields. He brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. He measured 500 football fields, and it came up to my knees. He measured 500 football fields, and he brought me through, and it came up to my waist. He measured 500 football fields, and it was a river that could not be crossed. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. First, there's a direction to the living water. It flows out of the temple. But second, there's a depth. There's a depth to the living water. I love to fish. I like the solitude of fishing. My favorite type of fishing is fly fishing. If I can get up in the mountains in a fast-moving stream or a fast-moving river, that's my favorite place to be. There's the solitude, the beauty. I fish in Idaho, places like that where I have some old Marine Corps buddies up there. And I'm going to tell you something about fast-water fishing. If you get in a fast water river, up to your ankles, can I tell you something? You're in control. Now, you might have to watch some slippery rocks, but if you kind of get your footing and all that, can I tell you something? You're in complete control. You're in control. Listen to me. There are a lot of you that you got saved way back when, but your attitude is, thanks for saving me, Jesus, but I got it from here. You, you might get out there up to your knees. Whoo, Man. Let's go down to the pregnancy center and pray this afternoon. Let's go down to the food bank and hand out some food. Woo! I can feel the river. But I got my hold. I'm still in control. I got it, Jesus. Thanks for saving me. Man, you might get way out there in the river up to your waist and go on a mission trip. Man, you really feel the flow. It's moving you. Woo! But you get back out of the river. Let me tell you something. You jump in that river out there over your head you're going where the river wants you to go can i tell you something your christian maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been saved it has everything to do with how far you are in the river march 25th 1999 i'd been saved a little over a year i was sitting in a baptist church over in lebanon ohio a man came and preached a totally different text but he talked about the river of glory He talked about how God wants to take you somewhere that you don't understand. God wants to take you somewhere that you can't even fathom. You know what I did that day? I jumped in the river. You know what God did? God floated me from the front pew of Baptist Church down the hall to the Family Life Center where I became the children's pastor of the Urban Crest Baptist Church. We baptized about 76 adults that year out of children's church. People came to church saying, why are my children begging me to bring them to church? I'd say, sit down and listen. And I'd preach the gospel. I used veggie tales as an example. I'd start at about a kindergarten level. I'd build up to about a sixth grade level. We'd stop. We'd sing, oh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. We'd get them kids up, a-dancing and a-moving. And then I'd come back down to their kindergarten level, give an invitation. Can I tell you something? When you give an invitation to fourth graders, they all come. They pray for their cat, for their grandmama. I'll never forget it. We had a little girl. She wanted me to come do her birthday party so her grandmama would hear the gospel. Her grandmama got saved at her birthday party. Can I tell you something? You know what? God wants you to get in the river. See, you're afraid if you get in the river, God's going to sweep you to Africa. He might. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. You'd be safer in the will of God in Africa than you are sitting in that padded pew right here in Millville, Ohio. By the way, I experienced Millville tonight. I went the back way and came through Millville, amen? My heart was palpitating. I grew up in Deep Step, Georgia, amen? (laughs) Y'all got us beat, man. Y'all got an IGA down there, amen? (laughs) Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, jump in. Where are you tonight? Who's in control? Let Jesus take you somewhere you've never been. Now, buck your seatbelt, look at what the Word of God says. Listen to me. He says, a river, which, he said, Son of man, have you seen this? Oh, yeah, let me back up. He said, and he measured a 1,000, and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. The waters came up to my uh, waist. Verse 8, again, he measured 1,000. It was a river that could not cross, for the water is too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that I could not be crossed, and he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back, and he returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, there were along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other, and he said to me, this water flows to the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. I've had the privilege many times to travel biblical lands. In 1999, there was a massive earthquake in the city of Adapazari, Turkey, in seven seconds, 65,000 people lost their lives. We were there on a, on a mission with the uh, combined mission with the Red Cross and the Red Crescent, the, the Muslim equivalent of the Red Crescent. The Red Crescent had this very liberal, um, I, won't, I won't go into detail, She's just very liberal and she was in charge of the detail. And so when we Christians got there, she was very emphatic. She said, now listen. I want you to understand, you're not to proselytize these people. These are not desperate, you know, needy people. These are doctors and lawyers. They've all lost their homes. They're upper-middle-class, upper-class uh, people in this area, and, and they don't want to be proselytized. They're displaced from their tents. And I said, look, I understand. You know, we can't just do blanket evangelism, but if they invite us into their homes, you know, that's, my heart is I, I'm going to share with men of my life. And Jesus is not a part of my life. He is my life she laughed she said uh, you'll never get into their home i'd get up at five o'clock every morning freezing cold 30 sometimes 28 degrees put a blanket and i'd walk around that compound and i'd pray god open the door god open the door god show us how to get in these homes god show us how i didn't come over here just to give these folks taters and soup god help me give them the gospel help me lord faith comes by here help me to communicate the gospel to them and i'd walk and, and and one morning the Holy Spirit said, Look over there and I looked over there and there were these toilets. See, these people were completely displaced and they were using these porta potties and they were like uh, there were like seven or eight of them on one side and it's like a double wide trailer if you can imagine, and they were filthy. And the Lord said, Go get a bucket and scrub them toilets. I started giving God my resume. Don't don't ever do that, amen. Telling God where I went to college and who I used to work for. He said, I didn't really ask you anything about that. I told you to go get a bucket. So I went and got a bucket, some soap, and a little scrub brush, And I went over there, and I, I started cleaning them toilets. And you just have to understand the culture. The Muslim culture, that ain't going to get it, folks. Those women, uh-uh, knew no, no man's going to do that kind of work. An army. Of Muslim women descended on that toilet about a hundred of them, and they were scrubbing their toilet. They were out running me to the next toilet. I cleaned every toilet in that damn village about fifty of them, and we cleaned them in a matter of about two hours. Amen. I mean, everybody got word there's this crazy American out here scrubbing our toilets, and the women said, "Uh, uh-uh, that ain't gonna do it," and they rushed out there cleaned the toilet. Guess what? The buzz in the camp was why are our toilets so clean? Well, this crazy white man came from America out there cleaning our toilets. Guess what they started doing. I want to know why you would come over here and clean our toilets. They invited us into their tent and we started sharing the gospel with them. Amen. I'm a toilet scrubber for Jesus. Amen. That's how you can introduce me tomorrow night. Hey, here's Jovial, a toilet scrubber for Jesus. Amen. To God be the glory, Amen. Listen, when you jump in the river, God will take you somewhere. You're not planning on going. Now, I've been to biblical lands. I went to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Heropolis, Colossae. I've stood on the ruins of those sites. I've been to Jerusalem. I've stood at the Temple Mount. If you stand at the Temple Mount where this prophecy will come true and God splits the Mount of Olives, and water begins to flow up out of the temple, and it moves east. Can I tell you something? If you go 500 mi- uh, yards to the east, and you go 500 yards to the east, and you go 500 yards to the east, and you go 500 yards to the east, exactly what it says here is going to happen. You'll be ankle deep. You'll be knee deep. You'll be waist deep. And you're going to open up south by southeast until you turn due south. And do you know what you're looking at? The Dead Sea, the lowest place on planet Earth. It is absolute desolation. There's nothing living there. Now, they might irrigate a few palm trees or something, but it's death. It is death. It is absolute desolate desert. And Dead Sea doesn't even feel like water. It feels like oil. I, I'm a big old redneck. I took a big old rock and, and held it in, and floated with a rock, probably about a 50-pound rock. It couldn't sink. It was crazy. It's just different it's nothing like it on earth but guess what this water begins to flow to the east it flows a little further to the east it starts to turn southeast and then it turns due south and the Bible says that entire valley will be filled with living water why because God is in the dead raising business look at what it says Verse 7, when I returned there along the bank of the trees, there were very many trees on one side and the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every, every living thing that moves wherever the rivers goes will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because of these waters, and they go there, and they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the rivers goes, it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Engolam, and there will be places for the spreading of their nets. For the fish will be of the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Folks, listen to me. God wants the water to flow out of you. God wants the water to get deeper and wider around you. But God wants to take you to something that's dead and bring it back to life. You can't do that. But God can do it through you. And you don't have to raise your hands. Y'all, any of y'all got some dead stuff in your life? Depression, disease, death, looming divorce. How many of you know somebody addicted to drugs? Death all around us. And God says, listen, when the living water flows out of you, when the living water gets deeper and wider around you, when the living water takes you to something that's dead, I'll raise it back to life. God is in the dead-raising business. One of the most poignant moments of my life happened in the country of Malawi. We had taken a large team to canvas this big village. There were about 25 of us. Each of us had an interpreter. When we spread the team out among that village, just going hut to hut. Folks, I'm talking about plumbers, housewives, carpenters. But you see, when you get into an environment where people are hungry for the gospel, when they're waiting and begging you to come, And then they receive receive Jesus and say something like, hey, I'm visiting my cousin. Will you come to my village and tell my people what I just heard today? That's the experience that you get on a short-term mission trip. I'm telling you, 10 days in a harvest field like that will do more for your discipleship than 52 weeks of sermons. I can promise you that. It'll change your life. We were in this village. We had spread out. People were sharing the gospel. And me and my interpreter realized that we were going to canvas this thing in about three hours. So I said, have you ever been on the other side of this little mountain? He said, no, but I know there's a village over there. I heard about it a long time ago. It's a really poor place. I said, you think you and I can get over there and back in about three hours? He said, we'll have to move. So we did. We took off, man. We went up over that thing. And I mean, it took us about an hour and a half to get to the top, about 45 minutes to get down. When we came to this village, I'd never seen anything like it. And I've been in poverty. I've seen poverty beyond anything you can imagine. In Calcutta, I've seen mass graves. I was on the streets of New Delhi, India one time. A woman came up to me begging with a dead baby. The missionary told me she probably killed it just to go beg with it. That's poverty, folks. As we walked into this village, I'd never seen anything like it. It looked like the village had just been burned. Everything was just soot and ashes. The kids were completely naked, had flies just crusted on their mouth and faces and nose in their eyes. The chief was sitting in just rags. He was sitting in his in front of his little straw house, and I walked up and I greeted him. Fumu." I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus, chief. He looked at me puzzled, like, who is that? I said, chief, may we share the gospel? He said, yes. I called the village together. Four or five hundred people just came running, just in absolute rags, desolate, abject poverty. I preach the matchless gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that God demonstrated his love for you and me, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I'll never forget it as long as I live the chief said something in Chichewa. I didn't understand it. He spoke so fast and so mumbled. I turned to my interpreter. I said, I didn't catch that. He interpreted it, and here's what he said. How can we, who are so dirty, receive this from you, who are so clean? And I looked down, and my clothes were laundered. I had on a pair of khakis, a polo shirt. When he said that, I dropped to my knees in that soot, in ash dust just flumed up around me i got on my hands and knees and i crawled over to this chief my hands were black black as coal my clothes were ruined and i lifted my hands to this chief's face and i said afumu chief i said compared to jesus christ i'm filthy but he sent me here to tell you you can be saved now when i dropped to my knees people have distinguished any any kind of level of uh, of authority they don't humble themselves in any way in that culture So when I dropped to my knees, he did this. He threw his arms back and his eyes got wide. And when I walked over to him and through the interpreter said, Chief, compared to Jesus Christ, I'm filthy. This is what he did. This needs no interpretation. He went from this to this. Me? I can receive Jesus. I said, yes, sir. Oh, is it como? Yes, thank you. Please, please. Chone, chone, chone. As I began to pray with the chief, the entire village in thunderous unison began to pray and accept Jesus. Over 400 people praying to say, God, save my soul. Come into my heart. Give me this gift of eternal life. When I got done, I was still on my knees and I was looking at that chief. And I said, Ofumu, what did God just do for you? Now, this man had never been in Sunday school. He'd never heard a testimony service. He didn't know what to say, so he thought deeply. And this is what he said death used to live here and life has come today <laughs> <laughs> Woo, man that makes me want to run a lap amen death used to live here and life has come today folks god is in the dead raising business on january the 8th 1998 on my living room floor god gave my two daughters a daddy god gave my wife a husband He restored our marriage. He restored our home. We had two more children that would have never existed if I'd gone the way of the world. But God saved my marriage. God saved my family. God gave me a hope and God gave me a message and I'm here to preach it to you today. There's living water flowing out of the temple. There's living water getting deeper and wider and taking you to a place you've never been. There's something dead God wants you to touch and watch him bring it back to life. But look at verse 11. But its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. There's a direction. There's a depth. There's a destination. But ladies and gentlemen, there's destruction. You know what a swamp and a marsh is? It's a dead-end street. It just takes and takes and takes. Feed me, Pastor. Bless me, Pastor. Give me something else, Pastor. Why should God give you something if you won't do what he told you to do with what he already gave you? We're educated far above our level of obedience in America. Amen? Listen to me. Its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They'll be given over to salt. You know what salt was a picture of? Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of judgment. God says, listen, judgment begins where? The house of God. If you don't do what God told you to do, why do you expect him to give you any more? And God is saying to us, you want to see revival? Listen, I can't come in here and sprinkle evangelism dust over this congregation. I can't come in here with some sort of magic potion and just watch people miraculously get saved all over this community. You know how that's going to happen? You take the gospel to them. Let me tell you about Dwayne. Dwayne was the most introverted person I'd ever met in my life. I was preaching a men's conference out in Orgonia, Ohio, And I saw a man sitting in the kitchen with his ear pressed against the door. This man was so afraid of people, he couldn't even walk into a gospel meeting and listen to the gospel. We had to sneak into the kitchen and listen through the crack in the door. About two weeks after that meeting, I got a call, almost hung up on him. He was so introverted, so shy, he wouldn't even talk to me on the phone. I said, listen, I'm hanging up. He said, please don't hang up. Long story short, he had been abused as a child, very shy, a little bit heavy, He'd struggle with a particular sin. I was not comfortable meeting with him in public, so we began, or in private, so we began meeting in public. And for almost a year and a half, I discipled Dwayne. I taught Dwayne what the Bible says about sharing the gospel. I taught him the Romans Road that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that God demonstrated his love for you and me, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. I showed you this morning. It's about 27 seconds of Scripture. Now, Dwayne can't even walk into a room and talk to people. How's he going to ever share the gospel with somebody? I don't know. Several months went by. He called me all fired up. He said, man, you ain't going to believe this. He said, my granddaddy lives in Fort Myers. He's buying me a one-way plane ticket. I'm flying down there. I'm going to drive him from Fort Myers all the way back to Cincinnati. Joe, I'm going to share the gospel with him. I'm like, praise the Lord. I prayed for Dwayne. Here's the story. Dwayne flies to Fort Myers, terrified. He's on an airplane. He's in the airport. He finally gets his granddad in the car. They drive 16 and a half hours from Fort Myers. Never say a word. They're coming down 75 and break that hill. You know exactly where I'm talking about. Right there in Covington. And there's the Cincinnati skyline. Dwayne pulls over four lanes of traffic slams on brakes in the emergency rooms looks at his at the mercy lane looks at his granddaddy says granddaddy all of sin and falling short of glory God God demonstrates love for you and me while we're yet sinners Christ died for us the wages of sin is death but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord if you confess with your mouth Lord Jesus believe in your heart God raised from death you'll be saved puts it in drive and drives 30 minutes to his granddaddy's house (laughs) pulls into the driveway and his granddaddy's sitting there with tears running down his cheeks. leads his granddaddy to the Lord amen you know how many people Jesus, or you know how many people Dwayne leads to Jesus almost every year? One or two. There are people just like him. He can spot them a mile away. The ones that have been abused. The ones that have no self-esteem. The ones that nobody else is going to be able to reach because he can relate to them. And I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't want you to be Billy Graham. He's already had a Billy Graham. He's gone. He's in heaven. His works are still rolling, by the way. He's led people to the Lord who will lead people to the Lord who will lead people to the Lord. But can I tell you something? God wants you to be you. He wants Dwayne to be Dwayne. And there are people that you can reach. And let me tell you who some of them are. Mama? Papa. Whew. Don't you ever forget it. They'll never forget it. I heard that testimony this morning. They won't forget it that you love them. I can remember my Mimi. Now, I, I'm excited. Amen. I'm excited. I get fired up about the fact that God stepped out of heaven, died on a cross, was buried, rose from the dead. I mean, I get excited about that. But my grandmama, I called her Mimi. I never saw her raise a hand. I never saw her shout. She's just the most demure, sweet lady. She's a member of the Patmos Free Will Baptist Church down in Patmos, Georgia. That's down below Albany if y'all want to know where that is. That's way out in the country. Now, we thought we lived in the country. She's in the country. Amen. Listen, I can never forget it. I never got a birthday card. I never talked to her on the phone. My mom would ship me down there every summer, and she'd wear me out with the gospel. I mean, I had to get out in the yard with all the gnats and the sand because I just couldn't take it anymore. She's wearing me out, but she kept giving me the gospel. Every birthday card, Jesus has a plan for you, Joe. Every phone call, Jesus has a plan for you, Joe. Never forgot it. It rang in my heart. I got saved on January the 8th, 1998. You know, the first thing I did Friday morning, January the 9th, 1998, I went and got down on my knee in front of my secretary. And I said, Debra, will you forgive me for the things I've said to you and the way I've treated you? Her mouth dropped open. She said, who are you? I said, Debra, Jesus Christ changed my life last night. She said, I guess he did. (laughs) Second thing I did was I went upstairs to my phone and I called my Mimi. I said, Mimi, I was watching TV last night. I heard the gospel, I gave my life to Jesus. The phone went dead. Boom. I called Mr. Smith next door. I said, Mr. Smith, I said, I think my mimi passed out. Can you go check on her? She said, son, she ain't passed out. She's running in laps around the house with the phone in her hand. She tore the phone out of the wall, amen? (laughs) Woo! glory. There's a direction. There's a depth. Who's in control? Remember the problem? What's the problem? Who's in control? Are you an ankle-deep Christian? Are you a knee-deep Christian? God is asking you tonight to jump into the river because he wants to float you somewhere you've never been. And at the end of that place, at that destination, something's dead, and he wants to bring it back to life. Church, if you refuse to get on that program, there's judgment. Churches all across this land are shutting down. You know where the gospel came the gospel came from England. You know, in the last census, the last census in England, 2%, that's two people out of every 100, declared Star Wars as their official religion. That's where we're headed if we don't start sharing the gospel. Father, in the name of Jesus, this message is Convicting. Your living water dwelling in many hearts in this room right now that wants to spill out. God wants to fill you up with his love and his life. He wants to take you deeper and wider. He wants to take you to a place that you're not in control. He is. He wants to take you there because there's something dead that he wants to bring back to life. And he wants to do it through you. Who's in control? Father, in the name of Jesus, your children need to speak to you tonight. Lord, I can't pray for them. They're your children. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they listen, they hear it. So let the Lord speak to you tonight. if you're here tonight, and God's not convicting you of sharing the gospel, you can't give away anything you don't have. So let me say something. If Jesus is not trying to get out of you, you need to ask the question, is he even in me? Are you saved? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? When you stand before God, are you going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or are you just going to hear, well? Tonight, you can give your life to Jesus. Surrender to Him. Say yes to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Accept His payment for your sin. You say, how do I do that? There are many ways, but there's no one way. God says, listen, I look into your heart. I know what you're thinking right now. You can think your way into the kingdom of heaven, but the Bible says you also need to confess with your mouth. What does that mean? It means to agree with God and live in a public way that displays your part of the kingdom of God. And maybe, just maybe, the problem is the living water's not in you. That's why it's not coming out of you. Listen, this is not a game this is everything folks this is everything your time on earth will pass and if you don't know Jesus you're going to be separated from God for all of eternity and God does not want that he desires that none should perish but all should come to him and repent so in a moment we're going to stand and I'm gonna ask you if you need Jesus to get up and come come God is saying are you gonna go outside that gate are you gonna walk out of this room Are you going to get in your car and go not be ashamed of me in front of a wicked and perverse generation? First step to that is coming down in front of people who are going to love you, pray for you, and empower you to live for Jesus. Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Chris and I will be here. Are we going to have some music tonight? Our praise team is coming. Maybe you need to come down. I'm going to turn my mic off. And you just need somebody to pray with you. Nothing I'd rather do than pray that God would take control of your life, that God would begin to move in might and power, and he would demonstrate to you that God still wants to raise the dead he wants to do it through your life. Would you all stand? Your invitation.